0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Verlander's first ever regular season start in this ballpark. Here's the one-two. And that's hit high in the air down the right field line, giving chase over toward the corner is Springer at the wall, and that's just over the fence. A home run for Jock Peterson, and it is 1-0 Dodgers. This is another Astros podcast. Sprenger's ready. Here's the one-two. And that is lined in the center field. That's a base hit. Headed toward left center. Around third, Baldonado, he will score as the ball gets past Bellinger. Barisnik around third. He will score as well. Springer in the second, and the Astros lead it two to one. He just kicked it out in
2: center field. I think Marisnik would have stopped at third base. It would have only been one run for the Astros. But a bullet off of the bat of Springer, who stayed back nicely there.
1: And now all of a sudden the Astros take a a two-to-one advantage. Swing and a miss. Got him on the slider. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night for Max Muncy, and that is the 200th strikeout for Justin Verlander this year, reaching 200 strikeouts for the third consecutive year and for the eighth time in the last 10 years, most 200 strikeout seasons of any active pitcher. Huge deep breath by Rondon, loosens the shoulders. Two two again. That is at the knees for strike three, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros win their third in a row as they take game one of this series from the Dodgers by a score of two to one. Last year at this time, after the game on August 3rd, they were 69
2: and 39. This year, 70 and 41. And another great game with the Dodgers pulling out a close one and winning the first game with 16 strikeouts by their pitchers. Steve Sparks here, and I'm with Jeff Blum, the color analyst for the TV network with the Astros. What's it called again? Uh, eight, this year it's AT&T Sportsnet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to make you stumble. Yeah, seriously. Six years in, I think I've had four networks. So, yeah, I think it's AT&T Sportsnet right now. All right, Blum, I want to talk a
2: little bit about baseball. First, let's talk a little bit about the Astros. And we were talking, you and I, and we talk to each other all the time, about on paper, looks like the Astros, without
0: a doubt, are better than they were last year, you you would agree? Absolutely, yeah. If they're full strength, I know Correa and Altuve are on the DL, but when uh, these guys are 100%, they are by far, I think, the best team on baseball. It was just shocking to me to see them get better in the offseason after winning a World Series championship. You know, I remember the uh, audio of Jim Crane saying, you know, we, we if we could go out and get another starter, that'd be great. And I kind of chuckled, going, man, you've got a pretty good rotation as it is. And then, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, Garrett Cole shows up, and he's done what he's done this year, which has been phenomenal. And with that
2: being said, There's a lot of other teams that have gotten better, too, on paper. Yes. Anyway, but the Dodgers are one of those teams with all the the flurry of trades they've made at the deadline. Boston, New York, they've gotten better. Cleveland Indians, we're not really sure about. But there's five or six teams that are probably going to be in the postseason that are going to be better. Which, in, in my mind, I think it's going to be a bloodbath.
0: No, I completely agree on that. It really seems that this season, for whatever reason, about two-thirds of the league has kind of checked out and traded away their talent. Yeah. And there's another third that has gotten a lot better. And a lot of those teams that have gotten better are were already perennial postseason teams, I think. Um, it's been a change in front offices. It's been a change in, uh, you know, the the uh, clubhouse dynamic with these guys. So they've done a good job. I'm most impressed with the, what the Dodgers did. They're already a really good team, but they came out and got some firepower. I think uh-huh. with Manny Machado and guy that I think is kind of sneaky is Brian Dozier. Sure. His second half numbers are good. He's got pop. He's a threat when he steps to the plate, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice. But, uh, yeah, this is a fun series, but it's also fun to see a lot of these teams get better and really try and compete because what they're trying to do is try to beat the Astros
2: sneaky one for me Astro's wise
0: Ryan Presley yeah I mean, we've seen him just a
2: couple of times already but I've read some great articles uh, about some of the stuff that he has, and we've seen
0: a glimpse of it already. Yeah, we have seen a glimpse, and it's kind of interesting to have a guy like that come over to the Astros because I think you're kind of referring to some of the spin rates, and uh-huh. that's a big conversation with the Houston Astros pitching staff. Um, we've seen guys be very successful with it, and I think with the philosophy that Brent Strong brings to the table with the high fastball in the zone at you know high velocity, which Presley has, and then just that snap hook of a curveball that we've seen here recently is really going to be, be fun to watch play out. One of the funnest guys for us to watch with the Astros this year is Alex Bregman.
2: He's borderline superstar at this point with all the things he's starting to do. Uh,
0: what impresses you the most with him uh, mentality I think yeah. that we we saw talent when he got drafted we saw talent when he came up, um, but I think it 's a lot of it 's the mindset i love i 'd love that slight twinge of arrogance that he has that cockiness that he goes out there and plays the game with um, He may not at first appearance he may not be the most talented guy, but he is definitely the one guy that is going out there with a game plan and absolutely executes on a daily basis and one of the hardest things having played the game is to be intent on having a quality at bat every single time, every single day, and that's what Alex does great.
2: Thinking about guys back when we were playing or when you were playing, of guys not throwing away at bats, and some guys can count on maybe two hands during the course of one year, and those guys are
0: elite. Yeah,
2: I think he falls into that already at the age of, what is he, 24 years old now? Mm -hmm. How does
0: a guy get to that level? I I wish I knew. You know, I played for 14 years and I never found it. So, (laughs) you know, it would be sporadic, you know, week to week. But when they say getting locked in, I believe that's what it is. Being Being able to have that mental focus to stick to your game plan and yeah. believe in your ability when you get to the plate and not panic. And I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of that from uh, any panic at all from Alex Bregman. Even when he takes a couple of pitches right down the middle and gets to his two-strike two count, he uh, still ha- puts together a great A.B. and eventually barrels a ball up. But uh, I just love what I'm seeing, and you're right, you don't see that too often on a daily basis because it is so hard to do. Well, i coach a
2: little kid here for a minute. How do you learn if, if a kid's just now starting to face pitchers that throw curveballs or sliders – how do you learn to pick up that pitch more quickly?
1: Um,
0: It's release point. You know, early on when you're young and talented, you, you kind of react, and I think when you start to see off-speed, you have to kind of anticipate, and a lot of it has to do with where you're picking the ball up out of the pitcher's hand, okay. because I believe, you know, you if a guy has a true curveball, you're going to see that curveball jump up out of the hand and then create a little bit slower break coming in, especially okay. at a young age. And the fastball usually comes a little bit straighter out of the hand. But it's, a, it's, a, it's imperative, I think, for young kids to really try and train themselves to pick up the baseball out of the hand as soon as they possibly can. And one of the things that I did when I was little, one of the things I did when I was in the big leagues, was I would focus on the logo of the hat. Uh, on the pitcher, and mm-hmm. just gently adjust my eyes to whatever side of the, of the whatever arm side he's throwing from to be able to pick that ball up. But it's picking the ball up as early as you possibly can to adjust.
2: So would it start in the on deck circle, just kind of the mental mm-hmm. preparation, checking out where the release points are and things like that.
0: Yeah, because a lot of it, it's, it is timing, and you'll see a lot of guys in the big leagues. If you know if for those younger kids out there watching baseball, mm-hmm. um, watch the guy on deck. More often than not, they're going to be trying to get as close as they can to home plate, but they're also going to be timing each pitch, it's almost as if they're in the box with the guy ahead of them, and getting the foot down on time, and really feeling that, that rhythm and that timing, get ready so your hands are in a good spot to hit. Last thing, Blummer, give me an unsung hero you think for the Astros so far this year. Um, Gosh, well, Hector Rondon right now is probably one of the guys that jumps out for me, but uh, Colin McHugh over the long haul yeah, has cool. really been good, just in the sense that he had a chance to really be upset and rock the boat a little bit, yeah. and uh, but he hasn't. He, 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 took his, he took his medicine, went out to the bullpen, and actually turned himself into maybe a, a more versatile pitcher moving forward in his career. Because we know he can start, but now we also know he's an asset out of the bullpen, and we're seeing it now with high leverage situations he's in. All right, Jeff Blum, thanks for catching up. Always good talking to you, Sparky.
2: There's a curveball. Popped to left center field. Grisnick's going to track it down in the gap and make the catch. And get it back into the infield. There's two away. There's two away. He covers so much ground. We we can't even almost describe what Marisnik does from the gaps. Left center to right
1: center. He's got it. And I like this outfield that the Astros have. This is a spacious outfield here at Dodger Stadium. And this is the best outfield configuration you can have if you're the Astros in terms of covering ground. Redick in left, Marisnik in center and Springer in right. You think about how many fly balls Verlander induces. Makes sense to have those three starting tonight. Well, this is who you put out there in the eighth and ninth inning when you have the lead. Right. This is the way they do it. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros first base coach Alex Centrone. And back in L.A., back at Dodger Stadium. Of course, I know you remember the last time that that you and the Astros were here. You were in a slightly different role last season. I just have to believe there are just so many memories that just come to mind when, when you come back here.
3: Yes, it's, um, you know, it's one of the, the best places to come back because we won the World Series game seven here. We're kind of excited. And for me, it was special too because I used to play here a lot against the Dodgers when I was with the Diamondbacks back in the days. And, you know, be back here and, and have the opportunity to, to face the, the Dodgers. Their fans are really intense. It's really nice to have great memories, you know, what happened last in this clubhouse. Is
1: there anything in particular that really stands out to you about that, about that World Series, particularly the games that were here in L.A.?
3: Well, I think, you know, one of the things like, you know, we came here 3-2 and winning the series and we expecting to win game six and, you know, came here and, uh, and lost a tough game. I think, you know, after the game was kind of like, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. It's game seven, last last game for the season and, you know, be able to to see my um, callers and Charlie Morton come through and pitch really good game and, and see the boys came out. Since the first inning, I think it was really special, you know, being with Carlos Beltran in his last game and, you know, talk to him about, you know, what is what it takes to win. And he was trying to help the team and be around those guys that really care about the game. We, like, oh, you know, in the video room trying to find some things out to see how we can beat that team and be that world champion. So I think that was really special, especially see Charlie Morton come in that, in that out of the bullpen yeah, you're fighting it was unique
1: Night before game 7 so game 6 and game 7 was the next day did you sleep well were you nervous coming to the ballpark what were your emotions
3: you know after the game I think we, we came down we went down and got a couple of drinks with Alex and Beltran and you know they were kind of relaxed they were kind of expecting us you know to win the game and say like we have a better match we have guys rested and I, I think we're going to come out over there and, and we're going to be the world champion but yeah we were like kind of You know, thinking about game seven, how that's going to happen, how that's going to be. You know, it's, it's not tomorrow. Come to the ballpark with a different feeling, like you know you gotta give everything you had done for a whole year, and uh, you know being the Dodgers Stadium with their fans it was gonna be hard. People probably thinking that you know Dodgers were gonna beat us. It's no chance that the the Astros can win away. So, but we did. But we were kind of like thinking about what was gonna be being against seven, and we were kind of nervous. I was the whole the whole game. I was like back and forward to the dugout to the beer room, you know, trying to like I say find something to beat those team and. It was kinda like intense but it was a special moment. I think when that ground ball came to hold cell it that was the best feeling I ever have in my entire life.
1: So of course you got a World Series rank last year. You got one as a player too with the Diamondbacks in 2001. You were up with Arizona uh, for for part of that year. Have you worn your World Series either of your World Series rings, or do you just have them away for safekeeping?
3: I wore I wore the, the Astro one. I think that the Diamondbacks was the first one, so I keep that one kind of secure more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as a player, but even with the Astro was more special because you know physically I was more involved in the other one I was part of the team but I was like in that, off the roster mm-hmm. so it's kind of you sometimes don't feel like you're in there Being a, you know I was doing like a coach and translator and video analysis and helping more I feel like I was more involved in the game more part of the team to win to help to win our series than I was in the NBA back in the day and I think that's why this one is a little more special than the other one. Now,
1: you mentioned Carlos Beltran, and he didn't play a ton during the, the postseason, particularly in the World Series, but his, his, he played an important role for this team throughout the year and, and in the postseason, didn't he?
3: I think his presence was special. I think, you know, sometimes we miss him in the clubhouse, you know, mm-hmm. how he handled things, you know, when, when, when the team does going to a bad stretch, he was really positive with the players and the team. I think after the, um, we lost in New York three in a row, I think he held a meeting mm-hmm. over there in New York, at um, a close meeting, we were not there. He just told us and you know, we hear about it. And I think that put some positive thought to the players and we go back home and we win two games. So you know Carlos was really special and he's you know I think he's the top of my list. I think I think him and Gene Tommy, one of the best two guys I ever been in the clubhouse and even Luis Gonzalez as well. I, I can remind those three guys. I don't you know other people are really, really good teammates, but I think those three guys come to my mind that are really special teammates and people who really humble good players and help the player held the team and they do a lot of other stuff off the field that are really important so for me, you, you ask me my best three teammates I will say Beltran Tommy and Gonzo, the best three guys, so that's why we miss Carlos here.
1: That's that's quite a list Alex Centron, Astros first base coach thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Robert The Houston Astros Radio Network
3: That ball
2: is gone!
1: Steve Sparks Robert Ford.
2: And you can kiss it
1: This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.